We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have to try any harder. No. Hey, Jacob. Hi, Scott. How's it going, brother? God, I feel like I nailed my line today. You did. I felt the same. That was a really good delivery of Hi, Scott. I think you're best yet. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. I, I needed a little uh, affirmate or whatever you call that today. I feel like I've been running pretty hard. So um, that felt good. Like, wow, I nailed that line the first time out. There you go. So what's going on? How are you? Oh, I'm good. You know, I get this... Um, I get this newsletter from, um, they become my friends, Jose and, and Lena Stevens. They have the Power Path organization down in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's a school of shamanic studies, and they send out an, up, an update every month that just kind of is a really clearly written um, look ahead at some of the phases that are coming up for the next month. And I always find it highly I don't know, relevant, valuable, interesting to check in. And they're theme of April was transition. And they said in the first paragraph, we were thinking about naming this month's theme grumpy transition, because there's a lot of that kind of energy up right now. So I'll talk more about that in a second, but it sure has been relevant for me this month. And it's been super interesting. So uh, how have you been? Did you say grumpy transition? Grumpy was that the word? Transition. Yeah, I like, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's got a clear visual to it. Um, I've been, you know, I've been doing well. I've got a couple weeks left in this cottage in Michigan where I've been staying. And speaking of transitions, we'll be uh, heading to the Asheville, North Carolina area for a month for the month of May to a new cabin. Um, And but in general, doing doing well i feel like i may have been in this place last week of just really being focused on um thoughts and that make me feel good and giving energy and intention to appreciating aspects of my life that feel good mm-hmm. and getting outside and taking several walks and you know just just you know it's it's amazing how the things we give energy to how impactful that energy is in creating, you know, a day-to-day reality around our our lives. So I've still been in that space, you know, and it's, I'm also, I'm in a very isolated place. So it's easy for me to tune into what it is I'm wanting to tune into. But also, brother, I, I would say this is the, for a full week now, almost probably six days, I have not been almost zero for the most part taking in news Mm. um little glimpses but almost nothing and the way that has affected my state of being has been profound as well you know um just because the news has such a souring effect on my emotional state of being you know and i think that most people could make that statement um but i haven't I, I can't remember a time in years where I've completely extracted myself from at least checking in on headlines um, because I've always told myself that 
I like to be informed and that that's a part of my personality and have, you know, allowed those stories to, to stay rooted in my day to day. And I'm kind of, I'm releasing some of those stories right now and seeing how, how valuable it feels for me to not be absorbing news day in and day out. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I'm sitting here looking for this thing my brother sent me to text you right now. So maybe you can even have a look at it and we can talk about it because it's so incredibly relevant what you just, your experience of that. And um, yeah, you're making that decision to step away from that for a while. And, And I'm curious, does that feel like a longer term decision for you or does it feel like just a good detox like how do you how do you feel about that now you know i don't know what it what i feel about it now is it's been a really positive choice mm-hmm. and i feel that in my life i felt it instantly and um you know we do we do what we're doing and then i it won't i'm not going to make a promise to you here and now and i'm never going to look at the news again let's put it that way you know but i i do feel um, I feel better for it. And yesterday when I did take a little dive, and when I say little, I mean like five to 10 minute dive, uh, my energy instantly felt different. I was instantly feeling depleted by what I was reading because what we know is that the news tends to be focused on the negative, always tends to be focused on fear, always tends to be focused on every aspect of what is not working in the world. And to tap into that energy. And so often my experience of myself and my experience of, of most people's energetic engagement of the news is not that by reading the news, it's not the news that is calling me to show up in some way. The news is calling me to feel like shit about our world, myself, my place in the world, you know, um, that isn't what, what what generally activates me to make a proactive choice that I feel is moving the world forward in a positive way. So when I was paying attention, what I was realizing was that my relationship around the news and around being informed was really about creating in me more anxiety and fear. And that when I'm not absorbing the news in the same way, I'm living outside of that anxiety and fear. And that for me feels like a positive choice because it allows me to be more present in the possibility of joy, the possibility of connection, the possibility of of connecting to people, organizations, whatever, that are are serving our world positively. Does that make sense? Completely. Now, I just texted you a couple of Images. I don't know if you got those, but I think it'd be fun to look at them together and, and describe them a bit. Because it just, this is Dr. Joe Dispenza. I think it's from his book, uh, Be Supernatural. I think that's that's. The book. Okay, they haven't come through yet, but I just yeah. turned my phone back on. Yeah, no, my my brother um, has been reading that that book, and it's interesting. I know last week you mentioned that you've been taking in a lot of the. Uh, Esther Hicks, the Abraham material. And it's interesting to um, look at this thing that I just sent you, (laughs) that we'll talk about in a moment, Uh, from a more, you know, from Dr. Joe, it's not a channeled um, situation. It's Dr. Joe's, you know, deep neurological and 
psychological research and how these things, but they're exact same, exactly the same things, you know. So many people are, I'm looking at it now, it's, I'm, I'm not totally grasping it yet. All right, so let me just describe it a bit for those yeah. who can't see this graphic. So there's this, what looks like a, like a flower or a sun maybe with a bunch of rays coming off of it. In the very center, Dr. Joe Dispenza has, it's written, the inner world of your thoughts and feelings. And then he has all of these rays coming off of this center of your inner world of thoughts and feelings. And each ray has a name, let's say clothes, appointments, news, TV, computer, emails, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, cell phone, et cetera, et cetera, Twitter, Snapchat. But there are also things like um, friends, siblings, parents, partner, job, um, boss, car, hair, money, pets, food, everything. And, and so it's not like these are all negative things. They are simply where... They are simply bids for our attention, bids for where we're going to place our energy. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we talked so much about that last week, really. It, the choices we make, the thoughts we're thinking, the words we're speaking, the actions we're taking, mm -hmm. um, how much impact it has on the lives we're leading. Yeah. You know, and I think that that the trick can be, for me, certainly, is... Re we've been conditioned for so many years, you know, we've been conditioned for a lifetime and even, and we're conditioned in all aspects of how we're showing up in our lives and in our world, mm -hmm. you know, so I am somebody who is naturally drawn to, I think naturally drawn, I should say, or, you know, to, to activism and to the voices of activism mm -hmm. and, uh, to the energy behind activism in creating change in our world. And I'm seeing the ways in which um, I'm not resonating with a lot of the activism I'm seeing because the energy around it feels um, it feels like it's rooted in something other than creating positive change in our world. Mm -hmm. So let me read this paragraph that's underneath this graphic, because I feel like it's so incredibly relevant to what you just said. He writes, every person, object, thing, place, or situation in our familiar physical reality has a neurological network assigned to it in our brain and an emotional component connected to it because we, we're experiencing all of these things. This is how our energy becomes bonded to our past present reality. So things that have happened before and we are bonded to those and we are then projecting forward. Therefore, as you place your attention on all these elements, your energy is flowing away from you, from your center, and it leaves little energy in your inner world of thoughts and feelings to create something new in your life. So looking yeah. out at this is the reality as it is, and most of that is being interpreted through the past imprint of memories and experiences that we have in our emotional body saying, okay, this is, this is reality. And then we tend to then project that forward and say, this is how reality is going to be or should be, or this is how I want to change it. Based on how it's been right. often. Yeah. I mean, Abraham Hicks, it's funny. I should say, I don't feel, I'm not feeling so grounded today yeah. in our conversation. I'm feeling a little distracted and not as present as I like to be. So I'm having some insecurity around that too. Um, but 
Abraham Hicks focuses so much on the present. I mean, I feel like all the masters focus on the present moment, you know, being in the now and, and to hear how Abraham Hicks channels uh, through the present and how they talk about the present and the past is just that they very simply say, if, if the thought is not serving you, stop thinking it. Mm-hmm. Like, how does it serve you to think anything that is making you feel bad in the present moment? And that seems like such a simple, simple process, which of course is not that simple, but that's how they approach the past as well. And I, and I am really, uh, I'm reflecting on past versus present versus future a lot now in my life. And, and I talk a lot in the workshops I give about our past and the way we are so, um, we're so wrapped into this way of being in our past in an unhealthy way. We are so, we, we go into our past as a means of preventing us from moving forward in our future. We highlight the moments of the past where we feel like we have failed, where we weren't able to show up the way we wanted. We, we constantly focus on aspects of our past that make us feel like shit in the present moment and that keep us rooted in fear around moving forward in a powerful way into our future. And we don't have to. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Ultimately, that is a choice. What happens when we if we're going to use our past in any way? What happens if we use the aspects of our past really intentionally and focus on the aspects of our past that actually contribute in a positive way to what it is we want to achieve, move forward, realize in our present and in our future? Right. That is a choice where we put our focus and I think that's a lot of what Dr. Joe is saying. It's what Abraham Hicks is saying. It's what so many teachers, I think, out there are saying. I think so, too. And part of the reason I love our conversation, Scott, is we're willing to talk about, you know, these are the big and important principles from various wisdom traditions or, or teachers or whatever, and then bring real life questions to it and say, OK, so that's nice to talk about. You know, I love Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, the present moment and the miracle that everything is right now. But you just touched on a couple of things that I feel like are important. That is, we tend to anchor painful moments or moments in which we felt fear or overwhelm. We can call those traumatic experiences. And those are the ones that become key. We key in on those. And I, you know, there's a lot of now current neurological, psychological research research to support that, like we have this negativity bias. I know we talked about that a little bit last episode. So I think there's a good reason why we tend to then, when we go searching back through the files to say, I want to interpret this present moment, the things we pick up on are generally not the things that made us feel fucking amazing about mm-hmm. last year or when we were kids or whenever it happened. Yeah. And what happens if we shift that dynamic? Right. That's what that's what I'm playing with a lot in my life is this this notion that what happens if we shift that dynamic? What happens if we are more intentional about focusing on the things that feel good, the thoughts that feel good, the the memories that feel good, the relationships that feel good, right? I think that we I think we do 
my insecurity also right now is feeling like this that we've covered some of this already and mm-hmm. are we just repeating ourselves but also like stepping outside of that and trusting mm-hmm. whatever we're talking about is fine do you know what i mean it's like it's okay i've i have been binging abraham hicks daily i like hours and hours and hours of it and the whole podcast is just people asking abraham hicks questions and then their responses to the questions. And so much of it is repeated, you know, and it doesn't bother me. It just keeps coming in. It keeps absorbing. So, um, so, you're, so you're just under pressure to say new and brilliant things with every word out of your mouth. Maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm feeling that or I feel like the, the last four episodes, they did have clear distinctions. I mean, we repeated some ideas, but each one had a kind of theme. And I feel like we're recanting stuff right now. But I don't even know that that's true because I don't even like I already forgot what we've spoken about today. And I certainly don't remember everything we talked about last week. Yeah. Well, look, so you've you started out by saying, look, I've taken a, a break from the news almost entirely. And this is how it's making me feel. So I'm just curious, Scott, based on that, and you're just heading into transitions, you know, moving to a different spot, new things coming up. I'm curious with that sort of foundation of clear space, reconnecting to what really feels good to you. How does that change or does it change any of your feelings about what's coming up next for you, what you're creating, where you're moving, that sort of thing? It feels great because really what I'm focused on right now is how I'm feeling Mm. in the moment. Mm -hmm. So what I'm focused and and when I say that, what I mean to say is I'm giving energy to creating more and more moments and thoughts that have me feeling good because I want to feel good. I want to feel joyful. I want to feel peaceful. So I am, I'm giving energy to the feeling. Yeah. And the feeling is creating the reality and the thoughts create our feelings, right? If you pay attention, your feelings are typically coming from your thoughts. If you're feeling really anxious, you're feeling anxious because you are thinking about something that's making you anxious. If you're feeling sad, it's because you are thinking about a reality that is making you sad, right? So what happens if you focus your thoughts on things that make you feel peaceful, that make you feel joyful, that make you feel connected to other human beings. And I think the thing is we get, we have this belief system and this is what's been conditioned in into us, I believe, is that we can't just do that. We can't. And I talk so much, Jacob, in, in the work that I do about feeling our feelings. So in a sense, what I'm saying almost seems to be contradicting it. And in a sense, the practice I've taken on lately almost seems to be contradicting the feeling your feelings. And I don't, I don't believe it is what I believe I'm doing is playing with the possibility of being really proactive in monitoring the thoughts I'm thinking and redirecting my thoughts and seeing how that makes me feel in my life. Right. And, and what I'm, what I'm experiencing day after day, not like a hundred percent of the time, but in general. And for me, that's the goal is it's like, I want to be living in a space of feeling good, feeling joyful, feeling peaceful more often than not. And I think that is possible even with the sadness and the anxiety and everything else that's going on in our world that stokes those 
harder feelings. I absolutely believe it's possible to be living in a vibration that is more about joy and peace. And I'm seeing it in my life over and over and over again these days. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And I just want to say, I, um, I feel like this is highly relevant. I feel like it, it bears repeating. And even if we are repeating some things from last week or the, or the weeks before, I feel like it's really important stuff because now we're in the guts of a real change of what is it that I would love to create going forward? Not just, you know, not just at a 30,000 foot level, but in real time, how is it that I can make a different, a more joyful, a more peaceful reality possible for myself? And a couple of things that you said, I want to key on Scott. First of all, you, you talk about, you know, teaching people and yourself how to feel the feelings. And I think that that has tremendous value in the practice of just tuning in, learning how to tune in and say, oh, this is what I'm feeling. I right. teach and practice the same thing on a daily basis. I did it this morning in my journal. That's one of the three questions. How do I feel right now? And being very honest about that. And I think that we are conditioned to not be tuned in to our inner selves very much. Yeah. And you said earlier, so many of our feelings are attached to our thoughts, if not all of them. What I find fascinating about that, though, is many of the feelings are attached to thoughts we don't even know we're thinking. Hmm. And so some of the value in the process, in this practice of going back and actually tuning into the feelings, even the ones that aren't comfortable or aren't, aren't joyful, part of that practice, as I've observed it in myself and in my work, is helping us then unearth where those things are attached to past realities that are no longer current, that are no longer relevant, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and actually being able to unhook from those so, so that there is space to create, as Dr. Joe would say, future present memories. He, he likes to say, you know, most of our creation is happening from the past. He said that is a pure construct of our mind, and it's actually possible to unhook from that and create future memories that have the same impact in our nervous system and our body and our neurochemicals, we can actually experience the reality of something really fucking wonderful um, and then begin creating toward that. Whereas most of our lives has been retrieving feelings and memories from the past, feeling that feeling, that vibration, if you want to use the, the Hicks um, framework there. And I think they're saying the same thing. They're saying the exact same thing. Yeah. And that's, and, and I love, I love the energy of that. I love the energy of living not in what was and not even often in what is, but in what we're creating, right? Living in the vibration, in the feeling of what you're imagining for yourself. And I think that that's a profound, and again, not from a place of denial, but we've been so conditioned, like you said, to, to feel like everything we're feeling in this moment is based on the past. And what happens if we shift that? Mm -hmm. Right. And at the very least, what we're giving ourselves, we're giving ourselves this profound gift, however many minutes a day we're doing it or hours a day we're doing it, of living in the energy of the good feeling that comes with what it is we are striving to create in our lives. You know, I have a question for you, though, Jacob. Yeah. You said you're, you're, 
you write, you respond to three questions. And I know you wrote about this in the creative cure. And I think it might be fun to, to hear like, what are the three questions you journal about and why those three questions? Yeah. Thank you. I, it's so interesting. It became such a simple template. Um, that is something I use every day and, and very specifically, uh, Scott in this order, um, and not, not from a culty it has to be this way, but I've just found that there's an actual neurological like reason for doing it this way. So first of all, it's how do I feel right now? That's the first question. And not how should I feel? How do I feel right now? Sometimes, especially when I first started doing this work, a lot of it, I was found that I was not in the good feeling vibration a lot of the time. And that's been a few mm -hmm. years back. And being able to just acknowledge that, I feel like shit right now. I feel tired. I feel depressed. I feel afraid about my, my prospects. Um, my body feels, you know, heavy, whatever it was. And it was just interesting to have a space in the privacy of my journal pages where I um, was creating this new connection, this new friendship with myself, Scott, to realize I'm learning about my inner self, which is my own new best friend and it's always you know this person's always been there but this person doesn't ever get tired of me they don't get tired of hearing about my stupid petty day after day after day repetitive bullshit <laughs> like they're never bored they don't ever feel badly about it or wish that i would shut the fuck up so that was the first thing is how do i feel right now again early on that was a pretty repetitive and that was actually a, a great reflection to go oh now that I have this mirror, I'm actually able to see that I'm not feeling good a, a, a good bit of the time. I wonder what that's about. So it just opened an inquiry mm. into that. Yeah. That's mostly changed now after a few years of this practice. The second question is, what do I need right now? Mm. And once again, a lot of it became very simple. And I noticed how completely disassociated I was from my body, from myself, from what I actually needed. And so not what do I need five years from now? What do I need right now? A lot of times, Scott, what would come up was, you know, I just said, I'm, I'm feeling tired right now. What do I need right now? You know what? I need a nap. I need to pee. Yeah. I need a drink of water. Um, it was surprising to me how simple a lot of these things were. I love that. Before we get into your, your third question, because that is, that's so important, you know, and I, I think that the fact that you're consciously doing that with yourself, constantly checking in about your needs every day it necessitates a response, which means you're going to be considering your needs every day. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so easy for us to, to ignore our needs mm -hmm. or not to really just to, to ask ourselves that question from this place of openness and expansion and a willingness to, to act on what the response is. If the response is, I need a nap, then you follow through and you give yourself the, however many minutes you're able to give yourself for a nap. If the need is, I need some fresh air, then you open your door and you step outside and you give yourself the fresh air. But if we're not asking ourselves those questions, it can be uh, hard to remember or to even think of it. I think you know, so I love that question. No, I, I think you're so, God, it's amazing. And I was really surprised by the, the simplicity of the of not only the questions but the responses that the questions elicited when I was able to relax and go, I have nothing to defend here. Like I don't need no one is looking over my shoulder thinking, God, that guy has a weak, sniveling, needy <laughs> little snowflake of a creature. Um, 
And it was interesting how that then took me back to childhood and where I learned to quit paying attention to myself, where I learned that other people's needs were always going to be more important than mine. Um, yeah. And this isn't through some, you know, malevolent force. It was just through the course of growing up. You know, we all get these messages at school from our parents or caregivers. Um, we learn really quickly that our needs aren't important, that, that our responses are possibly stupid or wrong. And so learning to listen to the inner voice, it just gets lost. Absolutely. And it, uh, you know, the, I was doing that practice a lot in the, in the early days of the pandemic too, Mm -hmm. when everything felt so out of control and so uncertain and I was getting back to just core needs Mm -hmm. versus wants, you know, there is a difference between needs and wants and realizing for myself. And I invite everybody listening to consider those things, to make a list, Mm -hmm. you know, what are your needs in general? So you're doing it in the day to day in the moment too, but even in general, when I looked at what do I need in my life to feel at peace what I found it was nature, quiet, connection, and I can't remember what else. I think movement, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's taking walks or dance. But it was maybe a list of five things that, in general, if I am bringing those five things into my life in a regular way, I feel like my core needs are being met and I feel more grounded in my life, right? So it's, it's, it's important to consider those things. What about your third question? Well, before we do that, let's you said a, a few minutes ago that you were feeling kind of a little bit ungrounded. How are you feeling in your body right now, Scott? You know, I still feel somewhat ungrounded, but I also feel okay with the ungroundedness. Mm-hmm. I think when I was feeling it in the beginning, it was with this this uncomfortable energy that was like you need to shift, you need to get grounded, you need to get centered. You know what I mean? There was a judgment around it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a place of just like, you know what, this just might be part of the energetic signature I'm carrying with this talk. And that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's totally, it's okay. So I feel, I feel, I feel okay within it. I don't, and and it's funny also because before we, um, with each of the other episodes, before I come on to this conversation, I always take a moment to, to ground myself and to, give myself over to the energy of love and clarity. And you know what I mean? Like I do this little ritual that I didn't do today. I just forgot about it. And, um, and maybe that's the reason I feel this way and maybe not. And it, it doesn't matter, but it, it was something that came to me. Um, so it's okay. You know, I, I, what feels most okay for me about it is recognizing how ultimately okay I am with feeling ungrounded and seeing that that's possible, you know, like we're not always going to be spot on and that's okay. No. And I, and part of the reason I asked the question is rather than talk about these things, you and I are just now journaling out loud. Like you just journaled out loud. And I love that. Like, because you trust me and I trust you, you're, you're actually, you know, if you were writing on a page, I'm looking over your shoulder, you're saying those things. And I'm going to just highlight that to say that we can talk about the present moment all we want, but that's usually conceptual. What you and I are doing right now is coming into this present moment. We're talking about your feelings in your body. We're talking, and you're talking about 
how you think about those feelings and and then coming yeah. to an acceptance that's like it's okay even if i don't feel like super keen and grounded or whatever right now for whatever reason my body feels like really a little shaky kind of like a little bit uh, jittery and probably because i had not enough sleep last night and a little bit too much caffeine today uh, <laughs> maybe Maybe. And maybe because you're very sensitive and you might be keying into my feeling too. Who knows? Yeah, or maybe there's an entity who's taken over my body and this <laughs> exactly. we've been hijacked. <laughs> this isn't us. Right. It's like it's hey Geronimo. <laughs> exactly. Well, was, I, you know, I want to really spend a little a moment here though, because <clears throat> What I find, and I, and I do this myself, but when I work with people, the practice of returning, returning, returning to the moment, yeah. to myself, yeah. that is that is always where, if I tell myself the truth about this moment, even the uncomfortable stuff, like, no, I'd rather my body isn't jittery and then not worried that my voice might be shaking a little bit or that my mouth would dry yeah. out and then I would stumble over my tongue and Scott would be like, my God, why am I doing this podcast with him, you know? Absolutely. And also that, you know, one of the the pieces of writing of mine that's been shared more than any other over the years starts with just show up as you are. Mm -hmm. And it goes on from there. And it's, I don't remember really everything else about it, but the essence of it is that it's understanding that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a hundred percent grounded. You don't have to be a hundred percent on your game. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to, because nobody ever is a hundred percent ready or a hundred percent perfect or a hundred percent everything. And that that's not what is being asked of us. Like you and I have this podcast, we record it Tuesday at 2 PM. And really what is being asked of each of us in at, at that time, in that moment is for us to show up and show up as we are in the moment and offer what we have to offer in the moment and trust that by doing so, it is going to reach and connect with others however it reaches and connects with others. And also knowing, Jacob, that there is freedom. Had we shown up at two o'clock and I was in a really frazzled space and felt like I can't do this right now, mm -hmm. I would have said to you, I can't do this right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And we would have played with that. And, and I suspect knowing who we are, we would have played with doing it, even if I were in a space of, I would have been willing to play with that. And if it was really like, I can't do this right now, you would have been like, no problem. That's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and I feel like because of the relationship we have with each other and the energy we've created around this partnership, mm -hmm. there is that understanding. And, and I feel called to say right now to those listening, if you're getting in partnership with people, around creation. Um, that's an important understanding to create. It's really important to create an energetic exchange and environment and relationship with that person where you know that you are able to show up as you are. And if you're not able to show up as you are, that that will be received in a way that feels okay too. Does that make sense to you, Jacob? It makes total sense. My brother, Nate, went through a when he was CEO of a company um, two years ago, he went through a, an exercise with a, a group that was consulting with them. And they, they were asked, they asked, what, what does trust mean to you? And Nate came out with, 
and I'd never heard this before. He, he said it, it means the ability and safety to take risks. And I said, what yeah. does that mean? Like, what, tell me more. Cause I had never heard that definition before. He said, Jake, when I, when I have people around me, I trust, I can take risks because I know that even if it doesn't turn out exactly right, they're, they're not going to shun me. They're not going to reject me. Um, yeah. we're going to, we're going to pick it up and move forward and, and learn from it and figure it out. And it, it just reminded me when you were just saying that reminded me of that, like, that's one of the, I love that definition of trust. That's one of the things you just expressed. I think the ability to take risks. I love that definition too, because for, for me, as it applies to us as well as it's like a willingness to be vulnerable, which is a risk every single time you're vulnerable right. and knowing that you're trusting you that if you're going to push me, if I'm in a place where you're feeling a call to maybe push or expand on what I'm saying, even though I'm somewhat uncomfortable, I know you're not doing it to make me more uncomfortable, but you'd be doing it because you feel like there's an opportunity for me, for us to explore whatever is being talked about in the moment and an opportunity to serve listeners by exploring it, yeah. right? And, and it comes back for me to what our intention was with this podcast in the first place was a willingness to be with our our honesty and discomfort and whatever else comes up in service to our growth in our expansion and our connection. And then trusting that that will in turn serve those who are listening. And this is the case for everyone, for everyone listening, right? It's like if you are in service to your truth, in service to your vulnerability, um, in a way, in your connections with others and what you decide to share online or otherwise, I believe that in service to our truth, you can trust that you are actually going to be touching other people in a way that is positive because that's what that's what truth does that's what love does that's what whatever words you want to use for truth or love or whatever that's what it all does and as i'm saying this to you now i'm feeling holy and secure again like i'm not in my clarity today wow. that just keeps coming up for me yeah well and like i'm trying too hard or something <laughs> it's, it's i love i love that you just went ahead and said that because as the guy on the other side of this, watching you, listening to you, I don't feel any of that. I'm not sitting here going, God, would you please stop talking? I was like, <laughs> any of that stuff. He's not making any sense today, yeah, man. No, Shut he's, up. Making, he's making all the sense. And I, and I think this is important, Scott, because of where we are and what we've been talking about today is creating forward. And we're going to talk about the third question in just a minute. Yeah. It just connects to this. But the ability to be honest about what's here right now in the space, in myself, that to me, before we can begin skipping forward to the vision board, the manifesting yeah. wonderful high vibe stuff. Yeah. We can't do it over the top of dishonesty. We can't right. do it without the vulnerability, even if it's just with ourselves. I mean, you yeah. talked about, you know, developing trust and vulnerability with a creative partner, for example, any kind of partner, any kind of person who is important in our lives. And I, I would say that if, if I start with myself, if I develop that as I develop that a little bit more each day, 
Like I know for sure you and I couldn't have the connection we do or create what we're creating if you weren't committed to that sort of partnership with yourself already. And the same with right. me. Yeah, you know? absolutely. A hundred percent. So what's your third question? So the third question is what would I love? And when I first started this, Scott, I had such a hard time. So now we're moving into imagination. We're actually looking mm -hmm. forward. When I first started this um, process, I was really in the depths of healing from some early trauma in my life that I had only just opened the, the door on. And frankly, my most of my reality at the time has been a few years ago was there was a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety in my body, in my mind that I hadn't even known was there until I read The Body Keeps the Score and The Deepest Wealth and some of these books that began to help me understand the latent anxiety. And so I didn't realize that I was trying to create over the top of unconscious fear of heightened anxiety almost all the time. And no wonder I was sabotaging my imagination looking forward. No wonder it was hard for me to connect to. So anytime I would attempt to dream forward, I would immediately access old stories and the feelings of those old stories would generate my body. Mm, yeah. I would love to create this next book. So I was right in the process of rewriting the creative cure and I knew that I couldn't rewrite it. Um, even though the deadline was doing, was looming, I couldn't rewrite it until I went deeply into this stuff and addressed it. And so I began to, as I used these questions, I began to, realized that what I needed to do was heal my imagination no. um, because, you know, there's this common idea that our, we begin to lose our imagination by the time we get into grade school and then more and more throughout our life. It's not true. Yeah. We never lose our imagination. What happens is we lose the innocence and the possibility in it. We, we, we begin to become trained and conditioned to imagine scenes that we do not want. Yeah. Absolutely. We're incredibly skilled at that. Right. <laughs> so how do you heal your imagination? Well, in that, I mean, reading the headlines, um, growing up through school and again, our parents and teachers and caregivers, you know, we might hear things like grow up, uh, stop daydreaming. Um, that's just that's Or how about this? That's just your imagination. Yeah. Right. And we're just dismissing it like that's fucking you know, not worthy of anything. Quit imagining, right. you know. Right. And then we get we get trained to look for the downside and see the darkness in the world and see the risk and see what's the possible pain. And we get trained not just because people tell us these things, but also we get trained by experience of disappointment. Um, things happen. Um, so when you say how do we heal our imagination, for me, it had to start so close to home. Like I couldn't. I began to realize I can't even imagine what I would love and connect to it because, you know, the secret and Abraham Hicks and all these different ones talk about anchoring those feelings in your body, like mm -hmm. beautiful, wonderful things you want to create. I can yeah. do it, Scott, because I was so full of fear and anxiety. And so early on in this process, what I noticed that was helpful for me rather than saying, what would I love? I would often turn that question a little bit to say, how would I love to feel right now? Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I would often realize the answer was, I would love to feel safe. I would love to feel clear and confident right now, just a little bit more of that. Yeah. Um, 
And then that would lead to small actions like sitting down afterwards and maybe having a meditation for five or 10 minutes where I would just breathe in, I'm loved and breathe out, I'm safe. Yeah. Um, or take a, a walk where I was just intentionally settling my nervous system down. And that's, that's always the key, right? It's like you intentionally took action. You intentionally did something that resonates with your desire to feel safe and feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's really just such an important, an important aspect to this whole journey. It's understanding that we have the power to do that, mm-hmm. right? It's understanding that we, we are, we are conditioned to believe that we have to have negative thinking going on most of the time, that that negativity bias is just the natural way of being human when it is a learned way of being human. So it is something that we can unlearn and we can learn to do what you're doing. We can learn to be more proactive in creating peace if that's what you desire, more peace. I know whenever I take a walk by this lake, it's a very peaceful experience for me. Yeah. Right. And so some days I take three walks by the lake because why wouldn't I? Right. It's like, why wouldn't we be actively engaged in creating more moments of joy and peace in our lives? This is I feel like this is what I'm repeating because this is what I'm living in so much right now. And I'm living in it so much because it's it's having a profound effect on my life. I'm living in joy much more often right now. Right. right? And it's like this stuff works this works. It works to pay attention to your thoughts. It works works to shift your thoughts. It works to pay attention to your actions. It works to align your actions, you know, with, with vibrations of joy. It's not just woo-woo. This isn't just a game. This doesn't take you out of the existence of the world. It's not, a, it's not as a means of denying the world. It's, you don't have to be removed from the world to act in alignment with your higher vibration, with the call for joy, you just have to be more intentional, right? And um, even that sounds so simple. It's pr- with practice. It takes practice. But the more practiced you are at it, the more you're going to find yourself having these moments where you're you're like experiencing these these bursts of joy or these moments of deep peace or these moments of deep resonance with with god or with nature and it's like it's not a coincidence you know it's not a coincidence if you're paying attention it's like oh well i've been doing this for hours every day so it would make sense that i'm having more of these moments and because you're making that connection you're more inclined to take the action and to think the thoughts that lead to those moments in the same way that if you're paying attention to the amount of news you're consuming, or if you're paying attention to the amount of sugar you're pouring into your body or whatever it is and how you're feeling from doing it. I say this as a, as someone who can very easily become addicted to sugar, um, but who is not right now, you know, who is being really intentional about the foods that he's putting into his body. And it's like, wow, surprise, I'm not having these horrible sugar crashes that I'm used to having when I'm consuming pints of ice cream after pints of ice cream. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, these things are, 
they're not by chance, I guess is what I'm saying. And when you realize they're not by chance, you realize how much power you have to create the kind of life you want to be living, no matter where you have been, because where you have been is irrelevant. Where you are right now and where you want to go is what's relevant. So what choices are you making right now that are going to move you toward where you want to go, toward how you want to feel, right? We're so powerful, Jacob. That's the thing I keep coming back to. Yeah, and I think the practice, I mean, you you said it, and I was going to say it if you didn't, so now I'll say it my way. I just love, I love what we're exposing here, which is the promise and and the, and the power of, of practice. And you think about it, right now, I've played golf maybe three times in my life. It's not something I probably ever care about again. But if I were to go pick up a golf club right now, I would probably, you know, I would hit it very poorly um and i would do that poorly for like three years before i'd probably feel like most of the time i was having a good day of golf right but whether it's yoga or golf or um a foreign language or anything anything i don't know why we expect to, to just suddenly know how to get grounded and move ourselves into wonderful vibrations when we spent and create what we want when we spent an entire lifetime practicing feeling shitty and not imagining yeah. what we desire, you know? Yeah. And, and becoming expert at feeling shitty, I mean, so becoming good. expert at beating ourselves down. Yes. The whole notion of playing, like even you bring up golf, which I, I don't know how to play golf either, but it's the whole notion of playing poorly is completely beside the point because it's really about how are you feeling playing golf? Are you enjoying the process of playing golf? And if so, that's all that ever needs to matter, right? It's like, I could go out for a jog. It's like, how am I feeling jogging? Not how fast, how long did it take me to jog a mile? And these are the things we get focused on. These are the things an ego mind get fo gets focused on. But the source within us, the love within us, the divinity within us is just calling on us over and over like, Find the joy in what you're doing and do more of that. We love you no matter what. It's like you said in your journal. It's like you know that there's, it's like you separated yourself from yourself and that person is just loving you. That person is not sick of you. Whatever you're writing in your journal, if you write it the same thing a hundred days over, which when I'm writing in a journal is so often the case, I'm the same things are coming out, but it's like the, the divinity within us, that soul place, that heart space loves us, wants us to be joyful, wants us to feel peaceful. And I feel like when I am most inclined to create space for that in my life, it's when I feel most aligned with the divinity within me, with God, with my soul, with my, you know, if you're someone listening and you don't believe in God, that's totally fine. Like go within, go with, go within to that part of you that connects to the natural world. Mm -hmm to the the miraculous nature of nature, the fact that there can be this little acorn that turns into a redwood tree, like the impossibility of that. Whatever force is behind creating that is a force that is within all of us. Mm -hmm. We are part of that. Mm -hmm. And that is miraculous. It's and there, you know, there is energy in that. There is life in that. There is potential in that. There's possibility in that. And when I'm connected to that energy, I move into my world boundless. Yeah. 
And that's the thing, Jacob, that's the gift of it too, is understanding that the energy that lives in nature, in creation, in, I do believe in a divine source, you know, the energy that that lives in that is limitless, is boundless. So when we're connecting to that energy, we suddenly become limitless. Our imaginations suddenly become boundless, which means that anything is possible. And why wouldn't we as much as possible be living in the energy of that limitlessness? Because it's fun. It's joyful to do so, right? We are not bound by any conditions that have been put upon us. We are not bound by the expectations of others and the limitations of others. We're not bound by anything other than what we bind ourselves to. Yeah, and what we've been bound to unconsciously from the past, um, you know, and I, because I think a lot of people would say, well, I'm not binding myself to anything that I don't want. Like, what the hell? These things just keep happening. And and I think that what we're talking about today is the sometimes intricate and slow patience requiring process of unbinding unbinding and I'll, I'll give you an example scott because i mean we started out talking about transition and grumpy reset but grumpy reset was what the power path talked about yeah. and so i you know i just come through this amazing phase of six to six to eight months of intense energy um output a lot of public exposure um putting a book out there you know seeing it begin to take off in its own way um and I'm also coming to the end of, you know, really a, a job that I've had for seven and a half years. And um, what that means to me is then moving back out into, into my own creation, into what's possible, what's coming next. And I've been working on that for a long, long time, but it's time now mm-hmm. for a big turning point for me. Yeah. The other day I was, you know, so I had this whole stretch, launched the book. We launched the podcast, all these launches happening simultaneously, all these events I'm being participating in. Um, and then I took a break. I went to Mexico. And when I got back, everything felt quieter. And mm-hmm. part of me started to become really uncomfortable with that. I was also still needing a rest. I was needing quiet. Part of me was like, hey, there's no place to stop right now, man. You're Now, now if you're shifting in back into more entrepreneurial mode of creating these things and launch them. You just have to stay on a dead run. I had a moment, uh, a number of moments this last week where I was able to sit down again with my journal and I just was able to say, I don't know what it is I'm trying to put my arms around right now and figure out, but there's some real discomfort. What is that? Like, what is going on? And over the course of several sessions, didn't all happen at one time, I noticed a big pattern. And that is, I'm coming up to the end of about 12 years in my current trajectory. Mm-hmm. But Scott, previous to that, I was in my previous finance and entrepreneurial career for about 12 years. Came to the end of that, and there was this major turning point that came with a lot of pain, a lot of you know, self-discovery, but also, I mean, I lost everything. Everything went to shit. I mean, it was really, really scary. Had a lot of dreams that seemed like they fell apart. Um, I remember pulling down a vision board off my wall and saying, this is bullshit. Like none of this stuff worked. I did all the right things. I watched the secret. I thought the thoughts made the boards, did all the things. What the fuck? Um, the course of the last 12 years has been this incredible 
period of self-discovery and healing and growth and change, but I've been doing it under this umbrella. And now I'm getting ready to really launch back out on my own. And it was interesting to have that clarity of perspective and realize this is another big turning point. Interesting that it happened at about another 12 year interval. What I need right now is to pause, not try to change horses mid gallop, mid stride. I need to actually pause and give attention to like recognize the value of this last 12 years, actually take some time to breathe and to really look forward and create. So I'm not creating out of anxiety and fear of repeating yeah. the past in a new way. Right. Yeah. Sharing that with you, this, this feels pretty vulnerable for me to talk about in public. I've shared it with a couple of close friends, but, um, acknowledging that even with as much as I've learned and, you know, write books and teach about this stuff, it has to be a practice. Like this is part of my practice right now, real time is saying, what do I need? How do I feel? What do I need? And then what would I love? And actually in this case, give it a little extra space there to say, what would I love to see going forward? And what are the old unconscious beliefs, um, fears, those disappointments that did happen in the past, how can I, how can I properly hug those parts that are feeling afraid that we're about ready to do it again? This is really scary. The truth yeah. is I'm in an entirely different place in my life. Um, I have a financial cushion. I have things set up so many, I mean, there's no reason on a conscious level, there's no reason for me to be afraid. Um, so much good happening. So paying attention to those old voices and saying, what do you need right now? How can I love you and help and reassure you that everything is really as it needs to be? I love that. I mean, for me, that's you being really intentional and conscious about how you want to move forward into this next phase instead of just flying into it mm -hmm. without giving thought. And especially if you're in a place in your life where you have the, the possibility of creating a little space. You know, I think that and again, this is from Abraham Hicks, and I'm very much in that zone. But I do, I do agree with this idea. We are we are also conditioned, certainly in the U.S., to believe that the only way to success is to work your ass off, like to just work, 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 continuously be doing, continuously be doing, continuously be doing. And I feel like that's there are other ways, you know, there are other ways. And I don't think it's all about just overwhelming ourselves by productivity. I mean, you referenced the four hour work week, which isn't even a book that I've read, but it said it really impacted your life. And I suspect just from the title that it's playing with that idea that you don't have to be working 50 and 60 and 70 hours a week necessarily to be successful. Um, however we would def define successful. So I think anytime we're bringing more, bringing more consciousness to what our needs are in the moment and declaring them in terms of how we want to move forward, in terms of the work we're doing, in terms of the relationships we're engaging with, in terms of everything, we're more likely to honor those intentions and those needs, right? And so it, we're coming back to that idea of needs again. I think that that's an important... Uh, an important thing for this, this episode, you know, and I would really encourage everybody listening to, to make a list when you're done listening, to sit down with yourself, to, to take some deep breaths, to close your eyes and to really consider what are your core needs in your life? 
because it's really about meeting those needs. You know, if nature is a need for you, are you making the time for nature? If you understand that to be a thing that creates more peace in your life, what are you doing to create time for that thing? If connection is a core need for you, are you spending all of your time alone or are you reaching out to friends in your life? You know, are you making the effort to create connection and, and get in touch with those things? Because when our needs are, in my experience, when my needs are being met, I have far fewer wants. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when my needs are being satisfied, all the things I think I want, all the money I want and the new, whatever I want and the, whatever I want, all those things really, really take a back seat because I understand that my core needs are being met. And when they are, I feel this deep sense of fulfillment in my being. And when we feel fulfilled by what really matters to us, we're less inclined to be craving all the stuff that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And, and then if you go after that stuff that doesn't matter, beautiful, but you're not going after it from this place of this false belief that that's the stuff that's going to satisfy you and make you feel whole. You will understand that the wholeness you're looking for is alive within you. It will always be alive within you and it will never exist outside of you. And it certainly won't exist in flashy this or flashy that. And flashy this and that is all good and well, but it's not going to be the thing that connects you to your source, right? So figure out what those things are and focus on those things. And that's where we're going to find deeper joy and peace and happiness and all of it. Just paused a minute because you said a lot of profound things, genuinely, right there. You know, I think it's really easy to hurry past what you just said. And you said it at the beginning of that little bit where you said, hopefully, I repeat this properly. When I'm getting what I need, I don't want it. What did you say? Something like that. Essentially, when I feel like I'm meeting my needs, my wants take a back seat. I don't want as much in life because the wants are so often superficial, right? It's like the want is, I'd like to be making more money in my life. I want to be making more money, in life, which is a fine desire. I'm not letting go of that desire. But when I take inventory of what I need in my life right now in this moment, it's the things I said, you know, nature and connection and some space and quiet. And when those things are being met, the, the, that loud voice of, I want this and I want that, it really quiets down because what, we, what I believe we all want, Jacob, is we all want to feel good. We want to feel connected. We want to feel loved. We, we, or we need to, you know, we need connection. We need love. We need to feel seen. Like these are things we need in our lives. And when we're getting that, there's a satisfaction that comes with receiving that, that quiets all of the unnecessary wants that we believe are going to fix us or make us feel okay. And ultimately only ever serve as an immediate band-aid. Oh, great. I got this new thing. I feel great for these this hour with it. And I'm not, again, I'm not judging any of that. That's human. I'm about desire. Desire's fine. Desire's beautiful, right? Abraham Hicks is all about desire. Believe me. It's so much about wants and honoring the wants. Yeah. I feel like I just butchered. I said it more eloquently earlier. <laughs> to repeat it because I feel like it bears repetition and practice, you know, it bears attention. And I, I also want to say about that third question. It, because you, we're really talking about healing the imagination. And this, here, here's the thing. If we could skip right to what 
Hicks, Abraham Hicks talks about, if we could skip right to truly, I heard it said by someone one time that the human mind is so powerful, we have no idea how powerful we are. They said, if you could hold a thought clearly for 90 seconds and the feeling of the thought of what you would really love, you have no idea the power of that concentration and how it, how quickly you could actually bring these things into your life. They said, the problem is our minds are so conditioned and fractured that we, we can only hold the thought and the feeling of what we love for seconds at a time, if that much, like yeah. such a hard time concentrating on it and holding it. And so what I want to say is the process we've been talking about, about coming to the present moment, asking ourselves, how do I feel? What do I need? What do I truly need? We can't leap right to creating a beautiful future for our imagination if, if we aren't giving attention to the voices that are already existent inside. And so this entire process of it brings us then into connection with, um, well, Richard boxes it this way, Scott, in his book, Illusions. Um, you are led through your lifetime by the inner learning creature, the playful spiritual being that is your real self. Don't turn away from possible futures before you're certain you don't have anything to learn from them. You're always free to change your mind and choose a different future or a different past. But what I wanted to say there was the sense of possibility, the innocent, the creative inner self, the spark that showed up as you and as me before we knew any rules for the world, before we knew mm -hmm. our names or why things do or don't work or anything before we knew anything there was this inner playful learning creature that was seeking joy it was seeking experience and to heal the connection to that the imaginative self the self that really does know not just believe it actually knows that it's boundless before it learned how many limitations and disappointments and possible experiences of pain there would be in life we can actually heal a connection to that and then I just, want, I just want to say that in real life, like I'm looking around my house right now and my reality right now, when I begin practicing this a little bit at a time and skeptically and imperfectly and all of the things, in that space of time, I have watched actual miracles happen in my life. Yeah. Like I'm looking around at my connection with my children and what's happened in their lives, how they've come into their own and more independence and jobs and their own money and everything that's happening that's really good for them watching them watching myself and my relationship to my body and my bank account and um the furnishings in my home there are so many things that three years ago i did not think would be possible and these are real live miracles and I, i've become i've become to define a miracle as something good that happens when it doesn't seem possible given the circumstances it doesn't seem like it yeah. could happen yeah so it doesn't have to be some woo woo you know strike from, from outer space. It's like, no, I'm looking at my life and the reality of it has changed and not overnight, not in one fell swoop. And that's, I guess what I would love to say. And I feel like that's what you've been saying this whole time is, can we practice it a little bit more each day and then, and then look for the evidence that it's happening? Yeah. Because it's not by accident. Right. It's not just a coincidence that your life has changed in miraculous ways at the same time that you are more focused on changing your life in miraculous ways. Do you know what I mean? This is like one plus one equals two. And I'm like you, I'm very liberal with my usage of the word miracle, but because I, I do feel these things are miracles. Right. 
I do. I, I look around at my life and I'm like, it, it's, it feels like one miracle after the next yeah. in essence. And it's not by accident. It's not. And I, I just would love to just go back to the idea of practicing it. You know, what, what does it mean to watch it gradually, to be patient with it, you know, to live into the questions, um, and to play with the possibility of giving more energy to thoughts and words that feel good. Yes. Thoughts and words and memories and anything else. Like when you find yourself obsessing over negative things or dark things or painful things, play with shifting. Mm. Because why not? Why wouldn't we? If you could, if you're given the choice to spend 10 minutes of thought on one of your most painful experiences in your life or 10 minutes of thought on something joyful that happened to you last week, why wouldn't you spend those 10 minutes considering something joyful? By doing so, you're not denying that something painful happened in your past. We all have plenty of painful things in our past. You're simply saying, I'm going to give my energy to more things that stand to create joy in my life. You know, and just see what happens. Well, and I want to say that as a as a practice, as something that can turn it into a little bit of fun, because I think there are a lot of voices that say, "Why not mm-hmm. spend that time?" And I know that there were for me early on, Scott, when I would sit down and try to actually create space in myself, um, in my mind, in my heart, my feelings, my body, for possibilities that I would really love the voices would show up and it'd be like, what are you doing, man? You're wasting time Mm -hmm. thinking about that shit. Think about other shit. Um, But it became clear to me that I had learned over time to train my attention on only one end of the spectrum of possibility. That seemed like the most valid. And so like that's the adult perspective. Come on, man, grow up. Look, don't, and don't be a Pollyanna. Don't whitewash stuff or gloss over it. Come on, man. So what I had to do initially was um, intentionally tell that part of myself, listen, first of all, you're valid. That end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. of pain and disappointment, all that stuff, that's valid. Totally. There's plenty of evidence for it. What I'm doing is I'm going to take a five minute break and it's just a recess. I swear to God, I'll come back and we're going to do all the adult, scary, awful, heavy, painful shit in a little, in a minute here, all the pressure. But I'm going to take five minutes. Is that okay? And, and it was interesting because that part of myself actually would relax and it would give me five minutes. And so I would just practice. And sometimes I couldn't even do it for five minutes. I would practice two or three minutes as a pure recess of imagining something I would really love to see happen. I think that's great. Just that simple thing actually gave yeah. me inner self permission to say, it's okay. And by the way, it didn't deny the other end of the spectrum. I think that's what people who sometimes might watch Abraham Hicks or some of these other manifestation things, and they get so angry and like, ooh, this just such awful bullshit, floaty stuff. Yeah. It's like you're denying everything. It's like, okay, good. Let's acknowledge that the entire spectrum of reality, potential, always exists all of the time. And I can choose anytime I want to move my attention toward this is what I would love. And then I can also choose to move it back toward, yeah, and these other potentials also exist. That way it feels that feels more honest to me to know that both things are true at the same time or possibly true. That uh, that feels very honest. But the question I would ask you is why would we choose to? Mm-hmm. 
shift to all the stuff that creates pain in our lives. That's the thing. It's like, if you look at the great teachers, Mm -hmm. like Buddha was never living in the past. He was living in the present moment. Jesus, I don't believe was living in the past. Um, Eckhart Tolle, who's a great modern day teacher, the power of now, I don't believe he is moving through his day, alternating between all the pain of his past experience and the joy of living in the now, which is to say, and I know that people do get pissed at, at, at some of these teachers and that notion because it seems like you're denying what you lived in your life. But if we look at most people, what most people are doing is they are addicted to be. And I put myself in this mode. I don't right now in my life, but in general, it's like we are addicted to staying in our pain. We are addicted to using our past as a reason to justify all of our misery in this present moment. And if anything, I feel like what Jesus was saying, what Buddha was saying, what all the great masters were were teaching, if you ascribe to any of their teachings, is that they are, we are no different than they are. We are no different. So if Buddha, like, it's like, I don't feel that Buddha had anything inside of him that we all don't have inside of ourselves, right? I don't feel that Eckhart Tolle has anything going on inside of him that I don't have in going on inside of me. So though I agree with what you're saying in that, yeah, our past happened. It's, I don't, I, I'm, I couldn't deny my past if I tried. It's like, it's, it's a part of my reality, but why would I continue to give energy to it if all it does is make me feel like shit? Well, and that's what I'm saying. Oh, I completely agree and love that. And what I'm, what I'm saying is the good news is it's not, it's not an either or. And I think that a lot of people see it as it's either idealist and I see the shitty broken world and just every once in a while I get a little bit of pleasure when I can or whatever, but mostly it's this way. And people over here are like, no, the world is only what you, you know, these floaty things. Yeah. It's not binary. It's not either or both the yes. true. And if we choose, and that's where I feel like the practice comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't, we can talk about this, but the reality is who among very few people on the planet are living so presently in this moment that the rest of us can't just choose and decide to block out everything that has felt painful. I understand that. Absolutely. I just, I don't think most of us are even trying. I don't think most of us are even playing. I think most of us are addicted to our pain and addicted to our misery and not, and I don't say that, I, I say that as somebody who can, who who understands that, who has lived that so and in moments addict. lives it now. What's that? Say so you're a recovering pain addict. <laughs> you know, just, we all are. That's the thing. It's, that's what we've been conditioned to believe and how we've been conditioned to be. And that's the kind of conditioning I would love to explore rewiring. Like what happens when we don't believe that it's totally natural and normal and acceptable and the way to be, to be, to be addicted to pain of the past? What happens when we open the, the possibility to something greater for ourselves? Well, I love- but I love what you're saying because you're you're giving a broad invitation to people, which is what it needs to it needs to be. But I and and I believe this work really does require us to be expansive with our imagination to consider the possibility mm-hmm. that we don't have to be wired into the pain of our past as much as we believe we have to be. Oh, listen, completely. And I'm I don't like language, so I wasn't doing that. Um, no, I think that giving voice to the voices that are already inside of people's head, and I've certainly experienced that a lot in my life too. It's like, okay, we're not denying that. 
And here is the invitation here. Let me, for my, and for myself, Scott, this is the invitation is to practice, to practice possibility, to practice the possibility that I would love. Cause I spent yeah. a lot of my life practicing possibilities I didn't love. Yeah. The ability yeah. to learn how it's, and just even getting that clarity for myself, look at what I've been practicing. I've been practicing not feeling confident, not feeling at home in my body or in the world, not having enough money, whatever it was, all these different things. I've been practicing keeping those thoughts and that reality in place. What if I just take a little bit of time every day and practice what I would actually love instead? Absolutely. I, I love that. And and what I've learned for myself, Jacob, is just that when I am centered in the source energy within me, when I'm centered in my soul, in my divinity, I am not in pain. Any moment that I feel centered in that place, when I'm centered in that place, if I'm reflecting on my past, it's not from a place of pain. If I'm reflecting on my present, it's not with pain. And we all have that energy within us, right? We all have that place within us. And I am really committed to rooting myself in that place as often as possible because of how it feels, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, Oof, I think we're... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think we're about ready to wrap this one. Yeah, and thank you. I, I feel like you were... Uh, in this conversation, a much more grounded and centering force. And thank you for being that because it helped me to kind of keep coming back and coming back. Well, God, I mean, Scott, I love this. I love you. And I love the conversation we're having because I feel like all of us, we are all in transition all of the time. Of course, the transitions are bigger, more important or whatever, more momentous than others. And I feel like we're all getting ready to transition back into a world of whatever happens after the COVID thing isn't as big of a factor. And I feel like there's a lot of transition. People are trying to figure out what do I do next in my career? Or if I have to go back to the office, do I want to, do I want a different career? What the hell is going to happen next yeah. um, to me, to my family, to my life, whatever it might be. And what we've been talking about today, I feel like we are at a, yet another inflection point in history. Um, but just in our own lives of saying, what would I love to see next rather than just go down the old paths? Yeah. You always had before, you know? That's been a gift of this time, I think, yeah. you know, asking us to really, really consider in a different way than maybe we have before. Yeah. yeah. So you have something to read, I know, but, and before we dive into that, I want to just say, because I think you have an event this weekend and I have a, an event this weekend that I want to announce i'm just it's it's a spontaneous workshop i'm throwing called creating joy because that's so much of the space i'm in right now and that's going to be this saturday april 17th for a couple hours and um i just want to announce that here if you're interested and it's sliding scale and it's free if you need it to be so there's really no reason not to come unless you're going to jacob's event <laughs> which is also this weekend and what's that? How do people find out about your event? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it'll, it, you can find it through my website or through Instagram or Facebook. There'll be links in all of those places. Okay, cool. Um, and mine is called The Gathering of Creatives. It's with Sark and a bunch of other wonderful people. Um, and you can find that if you go to InsightEventsUSA.com. It's on the front page there. Um, 
All right, so I'm gonna, I did not plan on reading this because I had a different thing in mind before we started, but this is, uh, I feel like reflects what we've been talking about today. Um, Terrence McKenna, the real secret of magic is that the world is made of words. And if that if you know the words that the world is made of, you can make of it whatever you wish. He was a wise old yeah what a fascinating dude i'm gonna read it again the real secret of magic is that the world is made of words and then if you know the words that the world is made of you can make of it whatever you wish and i feel like we could say the words that are inside our head the thoughts the beliefs the things that we're paying attention to the world is made of words and we yeah if we want to i love that and i when you read it especially the second time I was thinking of all the different words I would replace the word words with Mm -hmm. like the world is made of energy. And if you know the energy, the world is made of, you can play with it. The world is made of creativity. If you know that, you know what I mean? It's like, I love that. Yeah. It's so true. We are powerful beyond measure. Uh, So let's keep playing. All right, brother. All right, brother. I love you. Thank you for today. It's up to you to choose how good it can get, how much love you can let into your life, into your heart, before your mind decides it's too much. It's up to you to choose. It's up to you to choose.